Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitch Rap Podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Hey, we got some great social media coming through the next couple of days as David Brown and crew roll out the Rap 21 title reveal. Have you been following any of this? No, this is great news to me. I, I didn't know, know this until I pulled up the notes to record this. And, you know, it's like Thanksgiving happened, Christmas is over, New Year's is over. We're in this uh, dumpuary, if you want to call it. It's, it's cold. I got nothing to look forward to. But now I got this to look forward to. It's great. You know, it's just, it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah. If, for listeners who haven't been following along, we're recording a week earlier than you're hearing this. So you might have all the clues, but we're having a blast following along with our listeners to the title reveal. They're having Mitch Rap ambassadors read out excerpts from past books, previous books, and each excerpt read contains one key word in the title. Just today, and for you guys, you already heard this a while back, Mitch Rap ambassador Mark read the first excerpt from Memorial Day. And it goes like this. Hi, I'm Mitch Rap Ambassador Mark Elliott. Here is my Mitch Rap number 21 keyword excerpt. Rap slid into the high-tech conference room and tried to keep a low profile, which was not easy considering his reputation. He did not plan on staying. The long table was ringed with directors, deputy directors, and assistant directors from various key federal agencies and departments. Every single one of them knew of Rap's exploits to one degree or another, and he made them nervous. So did you hear it, Chris? Of. Of is in the title of the net, next rap book. All right. It's been used quite a bit, five times. We got uh, Transfer of Power, Separation of Power, Act of Treason, Pursuit of Honor, and Enemy of the State. So it's been used quite a bit. I'm kind of happy with that because all those titles have a real good Vince Flynn style feel. The blank of the blank. I feel like that's a that's a Vince Flynn formula right there. I, I'm really hoping this this title harkens back to some of the early days. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe uh, we'll jump on and do a quick uh, quick update before we post this if if we uh, get the final title reveal. Right, if we get the other clues. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, well, shout out to David, James, the rest of the team who always work on this. We know for David, it's a Stressful time of the year, responding to all the comments and the Mitrap ambassadors, and we really bug him and, and hit him up during these title reveals. And he told us, you know, it's hard for him to top himself every year with these creative releases. But he's got to come up with a new gimmick every time. It seems like you know. So what? Last year, what was it with? Uh, oh, it was like a book, right? We you, there was a clue for a book title, and then in that title you had to figure out which word was going to be used, right? So yep. now it's a it's an excerpt from a book. So yep. No, they're, they're creative. It's it's fun. I like it. And then the next thing we have is the cover reveal, which we love a good cover on the Mitch Rap Pod. So we have that to look forward to. And then we'll have the book. So before you know it, we'll be back on this pod. Might be a little bit dormant at that time. Uh, we'll be well into season two. More updates to come soon. And uh, yeah, can't can't wait for Rap Twenty One. 
That's right. That's right. The blank of blank. Is it? Does it? It'll be three words, right? That's what. That's what they said. And it's three words, right? Because there's three clues, three different Mitch Rap ambassadors reading them. So it's got to be blank of blank. I'm digging that. I love it. Yeah, we also, before we get into the content for today, we have a great interview for you. We want to give some more shout outs for two folks who left us some really, really kind Apple reviews on the Apple podcast app. Please go ahead, open that up, scroll down hit five stars, and then leave us your thoughts. So, Chris, I'm glad to say, according to this one commenter, you and I are a couple of rap nerds. I'm all about that. I, I, I think we are. We're, you know, we, we're getting up there with the Ryan Stecks of the world. <laughs> that was a great honor when I read this. I just enjoyed it. So thank you to whoever is time to go back to the country. All right. They wrote, Mitch Rap rocks. I love Mitch Rap. I love this podcast. Found the podcast about two weeks ago, already on episode 49. A couple of rap nerds, and I love it. Great job of breaking down the books. I love their ratings and just think through the books. I wish I could have found the podcast when you first started it. Keep up the good work. Appreciate that. Yeah, glad glad you're listening along. And that's what's great about our podcast is that you can go back. If you ever pick up a Mitrap book, you want to then hear our takes, our dumb takes, or our great takes <laughs> about a certain story. We've got both. Um, it'll... It'll be there for you. Yeah, we got plenty of both. Probably more dumb than, than great, but we have a few good ones. Yeah, you know how some podcasts, you got to keep up with it. If you fall behind, it's hard to get back. I feel like where, you pick up a book, you read that book. I just, I would love to hear commentary on it. You know, like right. all these movie podcasts. I watch a movie, I listen to a few podcasts, just see what people thought. We don't really have that in the thriller verse. We've got interviews with the authors before the book comes out, which is a lot of fun, but I kind of just want the fans talking, discussing, as if you had a book club going on with some friends. Yeah, that's something that we we bring up, actually, in, in this interview you're about to hear with, with Jason Piccolo. He agrees. Yeah. All right. And before, Chris, you tell us who Jason is and what we talked about, last review on Apple Reviews from Solomon, H21. Mitch Rapp was the second military political thriller series I was exposed to. J.B. Collins by Joel Rosenberg being the first, I was immediately hooked from the start of American Assassin, my first book. I just finished Lethal Agent. I have 19 and 20 ready to go. I plan on restarting the series after I finish Enemy at the Gates. Great pod. Guys, we appreciate those. So if you are Solomon, H21, or time to go back to the country, hit us up, send us an email, reach out on social media. We'd love to send you a sticker. So thanks for those great reviews. Just reach out, MitchRapPod at gmail.com. We'll put some podcast stickers in the mail for you guys. Yeah, and before I get to what we're covering today, Spotify, finally, uh, it's no longer in the beta, but Spotify put a rating system on their podcast app. Really? So uh, we only have one, which is myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll be rating. number two. And so you, if I listen on Spotify. If, if people out there prefer to listen on Spotify, uh, you can now go to your any, you know, our pod, any pod, and, and give it a rating. And what's kind of cool about Spotify is that it only allows you to rate it if you've listened to a couple episodes. Like it, like on Apple, mm -hmm. you can just go on anything and give it five stars or one star. Because there was like a podcast I wanted that I follow these people, and I wanted to give them a five star on it. But I, I haven't specifically listened to that podcast of them, so it wouldn't let me do it. It said, go, go listen to a few episodes of that. So that was an interesting feature. So that's going to be some real reliable data. 
on there. Right, exactly. I mean, you know that they've at least at least listened to you once or twice. Right. So. Hey, it's pretty cool. I, I just opened up the Spotify app, searched for us, hit the three dots, and it's got a rate show option. Hit rate show and picked five stars. It looks like you can't type up feedback. Yeah, there's no uh, no comment section yet. It's just the gotcha. rating right now. Cool. All right. Another thing to check regularly every single day when I first wake up. <laughs> uh, I hope you're not. I hope you're not that engaged. Like, uh, it's a little unhealthy. I check our Podbean stats. I check the Twitter account. Check the Facebook, and then you know what? I brush my teeth. <laughs> oh, there you go. Your, your morning ritual. All right. Well, today we have an awesome guest, a fellow podcaster. Um, his name is Jason Piccolo. Uh, he's his podcast, The Protectors. Um, he brings on, you know, he, he goes into it, uh, won't, won't be labored here, but he brings on people who he sees as protectors, law enforcement, you know, firefighters, people in the community. He has an ongoing series with Fred Burton, who, you know, came on our pod, really enjoyed talking to him. So we think that you guys would love to check out his pod if, if you like our content. Um, yeah. And here's our interview with him. Today, we welcome a very special guest, Dr. Jason Piccolo, who has experience all over the board in law enforcement, serving in the U.S. Army, and perhaps most importantly, now a podcaster. So uh, welcome, Jason. We want to hear about all your adventures serving this great country. Well, all of my adventures, I just turned 49, so that might take a few minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I guess if you could just give us a short little arc of your career and, you know, obviously we thank you for your service. Tell us, you know, how you got into the military, how you got into, you know, and then transition into how you, what you do now. Yeah. You know, I probably venture to say a lot of the reasons I got into military is because of books and thrillers and nonfictions and everything else I could find when I was a kid. Because back then we didn't, back in the old days, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have YouTube. Everything was books. And he only like there was no like real documentaries that you could go and watch and everything. The the closest thing we had was like Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen and the cheesiest movie in the world. <laughs> but you know, I grew up in the eighties. That's when I I born in the seventies, but really got my foothold in the eighties when I started getting into pop culture and movies and everything. And the Rambo's, the First Bloods, the Platoon, and I really got into that kind of different type of lifestyle where I really enjoyed, you know, the military aspect of life. And I wanted to be a soldier. I always wanted to be a soldier and I always wanted to be a cop. So I figured the the best way to do it is become a soldier. And then later on, maybe I'll become a cop. So what I did was in 1993, a couple of years after I graduated high school, I ended up joining the army. I did some time in the army, got out and decided to go to college. When I went to college, I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do any more in the military. But then I remember, I think it was January. It was like my birthday time frame. And I decided to join a National Guard and join ROTC at the same time. And ended up getting commissioned as an infantry officer. Did that. Uh, but instead of going back to active duty, I went into the U.S. Border Patrol. Got assigned to the Southwest Border. Did that for about two and a half years. And I became a special agent with the former U.S. Customs Service, and I used to work a high-intensity drug trafficking area. I mean, I was on a drug task force. Did a lot of really cool stuff on there. I got recalled back into the service in 05 and did 18 months 
with a subsequent deployment to Kuwait and then on over to Iraq. Came back, went to work for the U.S. Army CID as a special agent, civilian, working at Guantanamo Bay Investigations. Did that for a bit. Went to work for DOD for a bit. Went to work for Homeland Security, and now I work for another agency. Uh, in between all that, got a bunch of education, started teaching college, wrote a couple books. Um, yeah, man, that's that's me in a nutshell. Wow. Cool. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. I guess, can you, um, I'm really intrigued by your time at the border patrol. Can you, uh, you know, give us any, you know, major highlights or what you, you know, the best day on your job when, when you were doing that? Well, the funniest thing about the border patrol was, so I'm working the border patrol. And then when I became a special agent, I literally worked the same area. So when I was in a border patrol, the funniest thing about it was, all these drugs and all these cargo containers full of weed and coke and everything were coming by me all the time, and I had no idea as a Border Patrol agent. But the funnest thing I ever did in the Border Patrol is I used to work in the mountains a lot. It, so there would be like a, a commercial area, a commercial zone, while the trucks came across the border in San Diego. And then our patrol sector had to do with the mountains. So I always remember this one story. I'm up in the mountains. And I'm tracking, I, one of our sensors goes off for people who are out there don't realize that there's motion sensors, seismic sensors. So if someone touches them or walks across them, it sends out an alert. So I get a sensor head, I'm walking out there and I'm, I'm following the tracks. I'm doing what they call cutting the sign. I'm looking for footprints and stuff like that. And I'm following it and I'm following it. And I'm like <laughs> smelling. I'm like, what is that? And it's a cigarette. So I just smart. I just start looking for where the cigarette smoke's coming from. And I go behind, there's a bunch of bushes and there's a grandfather, his son, who was uh, probably in his thirties and they're a little kid. So it was a whole generational thing there. And I had to laugh. The, the father was smoking and I, I go to him like, you know, the only reason I found you is because you're smoking the cigarette. <laughs> but as we're walking back to the Jeep or not the Jeep, the uh, truck, the little kid, you know, I had rudimentary Spanish. I was pretty good in Spanish, but I didn't know a lot of like slang and stuff like that. And he kept pointing at my pistol and kept saying something to his dad. And he's like, I'm like, what's, what was he saying? He's like, he wants to know if you shoot rabbits with your pistol because they actually, you know, these are like, you know, they come from way down South or the farmland. And yeah. what they know of guns is like, they use guns to shoot rabbits to eat. Yeah. And it was just like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so funny. I mean, I, I looked at the border as a different area. I mean, yes, there are bad people that come across the border, but a lot of it's economic migration. Sure. Right. A lot of people just want to come for the, a better life. And yeah, there are criminals. And yes, there are bad people, but there's a lot of people that are just, you know, decent human beings. Yeah. Cervezas and roasted rabbits at the border. Mm -hmm. That's where it's at. <laughs> How did you transition from working the border, different drug patrols, and end up getting into more counterterrorism because am I right that part of your army placement was in Iraq? You were working on counterterrorism operations. Yeah, what I did in Iraq was I was attached. I wasn't really. I wasn't a field kind of guy. I was more of like a staff dude. I was attached to a combined joint special operations task force, and I was their anti-terrorism officer. So that means basically I had to approve, and I had to review, and I had to make sure that everywhere there was a Green Beret Alpha team or anywhere there was a naval special warfare group, I had to approve their counterterrorism measures as far as when it came to like harding their, their spots, a lot of budgetary stuff. So I'd look at their footprint and I'd look at kind of what's coming and going out of there. 
what their threat pictures are and stuff like that. And then I was also in charge of like the force, the force protection posture for our areas and stuff like that. There's nothing very exciting. The really cool thing about it was our assignment was in uh, Balad, Iraq, and I was on Camp Severson, which is, you know, half of it is regular Green Braves and the other half is like all the spooky stuff. It was kind of neat to be around that environment for a while. Did you ever have a calling to like maybe go into like the CIA, become, uh, you know, do some clandestine stuff? Yeah, <laughs> that's a topic for another day. Over <laughs> a beer, probably. This sounds good. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of spooky stuff, and you know that's the thing though is like when you've been around the world a few times and you know certain things and certain people and stuff like that. The, you kind of understand it's not the people who say they're spooky and the people who are spookier, two completely different, different animals. Right, right, exactly. I've run into so many people who say, oh, I can't tell you about that. You know, it's it's top secret Omega classification, you know, and you're like, okay, whatever, man. I'm like, I'm cool. I feel like half of that is top secret of like you sit in an office and got access to a document, not yeah, that's, out that's doing human intel. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's the kind of stuff Mitch Rapp just has no patience for in the series. Half the enemies are the terrorists. The other half are the pencil pushers who oh, get in the way of the good guys. And that's what I love about the real world. Like, you know, the reality is you could be a paper pusher and still do cool right. things. Own who you are. I own who I am. I mean, I have nothing to prove anymore. Uh, like I said, I'm 49. I'm 362 days until I'm 50. Oh, and then, happy you know happy belated birthday. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. But, you know, I I enjoy things. I, and I always give this speech. Like, what I do give speeches here and there. And one of them I do love talking to people about is your resume. And you have, like, two different resumes. Like, you have the professional resume where you're trying to get every certification, every education thing you could do. And if you were spooky, if you were operator or whatever, you try to get it all and put it on that resume. But then you get to a certain point in your life where you're like, huh, what am I doing for me? What's my, what's my personal resume? And to me, my personal resume now is like podcasting, it's writing, it's doing podcasts. I love being a guest on other people's podcasts. I love talking. That's the kind of stuff I like to do, but it doesn't really fit on my resume. Right. I mean, maybe later on, if I do this as a job, it will. But for now, I just, that's my personal resume. I don't live for the job anymore. I don't live to build that resume. Um, and that's why you see a lot of education. I had the master's, I had the doctors, I have Lean Six Sigma certifications, certified fraud examiners, certified professional protection professional, all sorts of weird things. Just as I'm going through my career, I'm like, I always have to multitask. And now my my thing is I just want to be known as like hey, Jason Pickle. Hey, he does a podcast. I guess that, that leads us into one of the things we're interested in is your transition. Like obviously you said it, you picked it because it's important to you. But how did you begin to get into, you know, talking to authors, creating your podcast, becoming, you know, I guess an influencer as you are, you know, now. <laughs> the absolute worst, worst <laughs> title ever. But it's funny, though, because now I'm getting paid to do social media posts for like boots and stuff like that. Right. Like, like, we're looking for influencers. I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm not an influencer when it comes to that. I like to influence people. I'm like, hey, you want to get a job? This is how you do it. But, you know, I when I worked for Homeland Security, I did do some stuff. And if people you Google my name, the first thing that will pop up is whistleblower. 
So after I do that kind of stuff, and I'm not going to really get into that story because I told it an ad nauseum. Sure. But it's out there. But the thing is, after that, I think it was around 2018, I started doing a media circuit. I'd be on news all the time. I'd be doing this. I'd be doing that. And I became a soundbite. And I was like, you know what? I want to do something that's for me. And I get to talk to really cool people. So I started the podcast and I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, I'm not a veteran. Oh, I am a veteran, but I'm like, I don't want to do podcasts on veterans because there's so many of them out there. I'm law enforcement, but I'm a special agent. So it's a little bit different than being police. I'm this and that. And I'm like, well, what really resonates with me? And it's protectors. I'm like, I always want to protect my family. So I'm a protector first. I protect my house. And then I wanted to talk if I'm going to talk to anybody, then I, why don't I talk to the whole spectrum? Military, veterans, emergency responders, and law enforcement. And, and those that support them. Because some people, quite frankly, don't wear a uniform and don't carry a gun and don't run into burning buildings. But they will support them and they will protect something, whether that's their house, their family, themselves. So then I started the protectors. At first, I was like zero politics. That was my big tagline, zero politics. But then after a while, I'm like, you know, some things are in the political realm. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to go, you know, right or left. I'm going to kind of try to keep in the middle. But sometimes I'll, you know, I was like, hey, you know what? I could talk about it if you want. I didn't want to leave that out there. So I started doing that. And I remember I was friends with a, a guy named Dan Beret. He does combat flags, which is these really awesome flags. He repurposes uniforms, makes them into really cool little flags. And he had a friend who was named Benjamin Breckheimer, who was trying to summit all seven of the highest peaks in the world. And why he wanted to do that was he was combat wounded. He got blown up by an IED. And while he didn't lose his limbs, he lost a lot of mobility. Mm. And I was like, wow, that'd be a really cool story to say, tell. So he was like my first guest. And I want to go back and I want to listen to that episode because I used to treat podcasting. And we'll get into the podcasting world here in a second. But I remember I'm like, this is cool. So then I just started asking around. I started cold emailing people. But I would laser focus on, okay, if you're going to be my guest, I'm going to do my research on you. I'm going to find out why you should be my guest. And I'm going to say, I'm not just blanket shooting things out there. And then eventually I got to the point where I think it was after about 40 or 50 interviews. I kept having Jack Carr on a bunch. I love having Jack Carr and he's like one of the, the best interviews. I love talking to him. Very good. Uh, Brad Taylor, Brad Thors, Brad, everybody, Mark Greenies. <laughs> but then um, the publishers now, the publicists, the publicists will now, like when an author is coming out with a book, they'll be like, okay, when do you want them on? And then they'll send me the arcs. So I'm very, very fortunate to have that opportunity. And, you know, I, a lot of these books, I'm such big fans, right? Like, especially Mark Greeny's books. I love the gray man. I love Jack Carr books. I love Andrews and Wilson. And so there's a lot of things out there that I love doing. That's, it's kind of neat how it goes. Like when you're doing a podcasting thing and you guys are seeing it too. I've seen some of your guests, you're starting, it's going to get to the point where you're going to get all the, you know, all the authors on and everybody's, and it kind of turns into a cool thing. But then I get like cool actors. Like I had Max Martini on nice. and I used to always love watching unit and he's been on three or four times now. 
So it's just, I like having good conversations with people and I like it being a conversation because to me, it's like therapy and you guys will probably feel the same way when you get through with the interview. It's like, I learned something out of that. Hmm. Yeah. One of the big things that I took away from this is, you know, I, I like our first interview what we had, I think, or our first like huge interview was with Kyle and we, I was like so nervous and I didn't realize how much of a normal people these, these, they are and how much they're just willing to talk and come on and chat. And like our, our chat with, um, with Jack Carr was, you know, just, it was like the three of us were in, in a room on, on a zoom, obviously, but you know, it was, it was just super informal and it was great. Uh, this whole community has been super, um, receptive, you know, when we're just a small little podcast that, I don't know how many followers we have, Mike, maybe 400, you know, <laughs> who knows, it doesn't um, matter. but they don't care. They just want to come and, and, you know, I, I learned something. Maybe they learned something too. So, yeah. Now the writing community is like, it's a ripple effect though. You know, I'm, I'm seeing like really weird numbers with my podcast on. I'm like, wow, like people actually listen to this. And then I'm like, okay. Cause I, you don't want to think about it that way. Right. But the other thing too, is like the writing community and these authors are just, they're amazing people. Mm-hmm. And the reason their books sell so good is because they're relatable. Um, I've had like 300 interviews now and I'm not, I say this stuff just so it backs up, you know, kind of some of the things I've only, I've gotten rid of about two of them. I didn't air about two of them just because the people were just very self-centered and very just, I'm the best thing in the world. You're just some schmo podcaster. And art was like some other weird things going on with them. And I was like, Oh, this isn't good. So there's a lot of, but when it comes to this, these, this new breed of writer, they're really incredible. They're really good people. Right. We just had Eric Bishop on. It's awesome. I think you talked to him. Yeah. Just what a story. What a, what a humble guy and, and what he's been through to get his book out Mm -hmm. to the public. It's just, it's inspiring, you know, for a lot of people, whether you're author or whatever field you're in, some of these writers just model how we all need to be in public and uh, in community uh, with one another. Eric is probably one of the most genuine people out there. Very self uh, taught when it comes to publicity, which is awesome. But Eric's going to be taking over the protectors book club with me. He's going to be working it with me because I have a book club. Okay. And the good thing about the book club is I just have an IG page for it. Now we're going to get a website and everything. I get a lot of arcs, a lot of advanced reader copies from the publishers. So I'm like, why don't we have a book club and I could just give them out? I, and my big mantra is I'll never ask for money. I'm not going to use it to, like, to be this big money thing. And Eric's going to help me out with that. you know. And it's really cool. He's been on a show, uh, I think, once. He co-hosted a couple times. But now we're going to do monthly lives. So we'll get an author and we'll do like a live cast with them. Nice. Nice. That's- so you said uh, Mark Rainey, and we've been talking Jack Carr. So what are you more excited for? The uh, Terminalist TV series or the uh, the Gray Man stuff coming out? Uh, why are you putting me on the spot, man? <laughs> I, I have to say I like Ryan Gosling a lot, mm. but I like Chris Pratt a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's a tough choice. Yeah. You know, there's a – I got to go with Jack Carr just because James Reese – Right. It's more relatable to me. Sure. Sure. And I feel like uh, Chris Pratt has played like a, a, we haven't seen the full extent, but he's played that kind of character before in a couple mm-hmm. of movies. And I, I feel I can see him more than I can Ryan Gosling as, you know, 
in in the gray man but yeah. we'll see we'll see but then you got ryan gosling in the blade runner true he's he's cool. he's a great actor so i'm pretty sure he can do anything but you know and that's the thing is like do you take a nobody and make them the gray man yeah i don't know i feel like nowadays you can't but uh, honestly you could launch someone's career by doing that you also don't want somebody when you see them in an action role you just think Oh, they're that other person. Like, like mm-hmm. you know, you can't get somebody to be like, oh, that's Jason Bourne. Or, oh, wait, Tom Cruise is doing this too? It's like, you, you kind of want a fresh face who's going to make the franchise their own, but they got to be recognizable too. They, they got to yeah. have the name. You got to pump the series. So mm-hmm. that's a tough Because it's tough because like, you have a lot of these tertiary characters that are really big too. So you, your main character has to overshadow them. I, maybe you can answer this, answer this question because this has come up with the uh, Vince Flynn movie where there's a lot of fan backlash in terms of who they cast as Mitch Rapp. Do you see someone in your head when you think of, you know, James Reese or, you know, the gray man, like in, does Chris Pratt and Ryan Gosling fit that? Oh, I don't know. See, Ryan Gosling can get away with it. He has that like, you know, born in Florida type vibe, you know, the, the kind of, that vibe i don't know swagger almost yeah it's like he could be someone who wasn't in the military and be an assassin Mm -hmm. you know he could be like because there was a the place beyond the behinds right where you know i mean there's a lot of he could play dirty characters drive was it drive drive yeah drive look at his character in that i mean he was essentially in a gray man he's kind of doing his thing he wasn't really there but you give the guy a hammer and he's he's taking out, you know, whatever he wants. Um, but Pratt is kind of tough because I don't picture Chris Pratt. You know, Zero Dark Thirty, minor role of SEAL Team Six, Dev Group guy. He's got it down pat with it, but he was still just a small character in there. But I don't really see him as, you know, yet. But unless he keeps it. I want him to be a little smart ass. If he doesn't do it, the whole smart assy role, you know, if he does, if he steers clear of the Ryan Reynolds concept and the, you know, and some of his Star other Lord. roles, Star Lord. Yeah, if he brings Star Lord into it, yeah, yeah. you got to keep it solid. And what's the other movie with the uh, the time the time lapse movie, the time jump movie, the oh, one the that one Pratt that- just did. The, oh, the one on um net on Amazon. I know yeah. what you're talking about, right? Yeah, it was it was not good. It, was, no. it just it should have ended like an hour before. I forget what it, it is. Keep it solid and square, because I always picture James Reese to be kind of like a sullen, quiet killer, someone who could like, but he's not. There's killer underneath his eyes. He can kill, but he's not a killer. He's not a serial killer. He's not a psychopath. Mm-hmm. But violence of action is his thing. It's like boom, he's gonna do it. And he's not going to be quirky, smartass when he's doing it. He's going to get it done. He's going to move on. Yes, he can joke here and there with his teammates and stuff like that. Because that's a banter. Banter is fine. I don't, you know, that's one thing about the military community and law enforcement and everything else is smartass banter. But if he keeps that and he keeps it solid, I think I think it'll be great. Yeah, I I wasn't sure at first, just visually. When I when I thought of him as James Reese, because because I concocted something different in my mind, because he goes to dark places like yeah. 
his story is about revenge, 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 revenge. Mm-hmm. And I, Chris Pratt just, you know, he's he's a nice boy. You know, he's he's a good dude. But I mean, the range he has, he has the range where I think he's going to be able to flip that switch. And and I think once I see him on screen, I think he's not going to play James Reese. I think like James Reese is going to come come to him when that flips when he flips the switch and just revenge kicks on. We don't want to say what happens in the terminalist, but man, is it a revenge story? Well, one thing is that they show a clip and it was like a behind the scenes clip of him engaging a target and reloading and blah, blah, blah. It looked really good. So I was like, oh, wow, they're doing it. Because the only the other guy who gets behind his character, too, is and even though uh, I do have to say it. So I'm like an Internet movie database in my head. Yeah. And <laughs> the the movie American Psycho, Christian mm-hmm. Bale says he he tailored his character around Tom Cruise saying Tom Cruise when he saw him on one of these talk shows, he was like an empty smile, like such a fakeness. So that, but when Tom Cruise gets into a role, he gets into a role Oh yes. and he did a movie called collateral Michael Mann movie. Right. And he learned how to shoot. He learned how to shoot real guns, real bullets. So he could pull off the characters and he always does that. And that's kind of what I'm hoping that they've had so many really good technical advisors on this movie that when Pratt goes to it, he's boom, he's there. I mean, such a good sign that they brought Jack in and he's been on set Mm -hmm. a bunch of times and not just in the author's role. Like you want the author on set. A lot of series wouldn't do that and really would they but they'd sign their work, wouldn't value their input after that. They've brought him in in a story capacity, but also an expert capacity in the tactics and the weapons. And I think that's really promising to see a studio doing that, not just for an author, but also bringing in the right experts. And in Jack, you got, you know, you got both. Mm-hmm. Bringing it back to your podcast, can you just say what are, what are some of your favorite guests that you've had on? Obviously, we've talked about Jack, and uh, you know, you, you said you had Kyle, but we see that you have a, a series going right now with Fred Burton, who we had a chance to talk to. Uh, he's a, that was one of my favorite interviews, just just chatting away with him. He's a very intellectual. Yeah, Fred is like one of my favorite guests. And I'm going to do this series forever. I don't care, man. And then right now we're talking about, um, so Fred Burton, counterterrorism expert, just a really good dude, um, wrote a bunch of really good books. And we're doing a series about, you know, how he related to this assassination. We're talking a lot about his career and everything else. But Fred Burton was definitely one of my, my favorite guests. I like talking to regular people too. I've had a lot of really good conversations with you know, um, geez, I'm trying to remember a name right now, but he was a cop in New York. And then he's like, he just like the conversations we pull out of it were just awesome. I had a great conversation with Matt Rendar, AKA, um, his real name is Matt Klein. He does these awesome artwork, but he's a sketch artist for NYPD. And he makes these also these awesome renditions of like star Wars characters with like M4s and everything else. So like just incredible guests. And I, I like bringing in a lot of co-hosts now because, you know, sometimes I get tired of hearing myself talk. <laughs> so I bring in other co-hosts because they, they provide a different dynamic. Sure. So it's really cool. And I'm trying to look at, I'm actually looking at my guest list right now. I'm like, huh. Cause like I said, there's like 300 episodes and trying to I mean, come you down have a with, lot of episodes. <laughs> trying to come up with like my favorite one is like going back. And, you know, Bobby Chacon's a really good one, FBI agent. And, like, it, it listens to, like, just really weird things, like a chef 
Jack Stewart was a fighter pilot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And author. And author. Yeah, he's a really good dude. Yeah, man, it's just fun. So on that note, we covered or you cover on the podcast such a wide diversity of of careers, backgrounds and hobbies. And I love this theme of the protectors, you know, connecting them all, showing no matter what walk of life you come from, what career you're in, what your hobbies and personal life is like, you can serve. You can serve your family. You could serve the community. You can you can make this country stronger. What led you to that idea? Because it's a pretty cool tagline, and it makes me think of one of my favorite quotes by G.K. Chesterton. The true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. So I, I just love this idea of the protectors. How did you come up with that? That's exactly what it is. I, I Because I've served in a million different capacities over the past 30 years, I don't look at myself any more different than anybody else, whether they wore a uniform or not. You two, doesn't matter if you've served, you put a badge on or anything, you still have something you want to protect. And you still have service in you. To me, a protector is someone who wants to serve without the acknowledgement. Hmm. I don't like the thank you for your services. Like, uh, you know, I don't want, I want to be known for, you know, thank me for, you know, you taking the next step to serve. Like maybe if you take a look at me or take a look at any of my other guests and you say, huh, I never thought about doing that. There are ways you could be a protector. I do a lot, a lot of conversations about human trafficking and I do speeches about it. And I'm always telling people, I'm like, you don't have to be like this, you know, X commando or X this, X that to get into the fight. You could pick up a pen and fight. You could use your keyboard and fight. And we're not talking about Twitter fights. We're talking about, you could write your congressman, you could write your locals. You could raise awareness to topics that matter. That is ways that you could get into the fight and be a protector. You don't necessarily have to sign up or serve anything, but you can still give back, you know, because so many people want to take, take, take. And that's one thing I hate about that word influencer. Because to me, an influencer is they're taking whatever quasi popularity they have and they're using it for self-gain. Because to me, influencer always equals self-gain. I don't know why. And I'm not knocking people who, that's, their, that's who they are. But I see a lot of people using their social media platforms as like, hey, look what I did. Look how great I am. And look, I'm a 49-year-old guy who's like overweight, um, chills, podcasts. I'm not perfect, but I choose to use this platform for what it is. It's a, it's an opportunity to talk. Right. I think that's why I appreciate what you're doing even more because most influencers, like you said, are about themselves, but yours is about telling other people's stories. And like what you're doing, I've learned about so many people from the Elon murders that you're covering with Fred Burton. Uh, you mentioned the veterans who climb the mountain peaks, like even after a disability, th those stories by you telling them and, and recording and bringing guests onto your show, you don't know how the listeners are being moved by that. You don't know whose lives are being changed by hearing what other people have been through and what they've accomplished. You know, it's not tooting your own horn and it's not your guests tooting their horns, 
but it's about keeping those stories alive, you know, to motivate others. So, yeah, I love hearing. I tell what you one doing. one thing I love doing lately is I don't know if you guys follow me on IG, but I do all these. Um, I started putting them on TikTok too, but I'm doing 58 seconds because you know 60 seconds is anything over that goes into like a, become a movie or whatever. Right, know. right. But for the algorithm, 58 seconds. What I'm doing is I'm tell, I'm telling people how they can get into podcasting. And like how to, how, what are my tips and techniques? Cause I, you know, we were talking about before we started about the different platforms you use and different this, different that, what kind of audio gear you're using, what kind of cameras you're using, what kind of this, what kind of that. So I'm just doing a basic, I'm like, if you want to get into podcasts, think about doing this and I'm doing, they're taking off. I love doing it, put them up on YouTube shorts and put them up on TikTok. but it's just something I could do. That's something that's fun. That's one of the best things that you can do because I feel like it was so hard to us. It felt really hard for us to get into this because we didn't know, you know, there are like these forums and stuff, but it's all, I don't know, it, but actually learning from someone that does it and does it well is way different than just reading, you know, your, your high school blogger, how to do a podcast for, you know, a <laughs> class, whatever. But I think what's also unique about your podcast and some other ones that I listen to is it gives a plat, you use your platform to give a platform to people that wouldn't be able to get out there. You know, the people that, all right, they're not going to go out there and make a podcast about something. Um, but you allow them to tell their story. And like Mike said, reach an audience that, you know, could touch their life, change their life. And it's a lot of it's good. It's, it's, I don't know, wholesome. Uh, I don't know, just uplifting stories, right? You know, it's not, you know, get away from the doom and gloom of the news and let's, uh, you know, let's, focus on something good that we, that we can, you know, I can learn something. I, I love learning. I mean, that's why I went and got a PhD. I, and you have one too, you know, we have two we doctors, two on, doctors the here on the call. Whoa. <laughs> um, and you, you mentioned that you, you teach like, I love teaching. Um, I, I would like to get back into it. Um, not as, Do it. not as like a, uh, I just want to go teach at like my local Howard County community college. Listen, biology. I, I don't, I forget, I forget. I do it half the time, but I'm teaching. I've been teaching community college for about five years. But I also built out a cybersecurity course for St. Joe's University for grad school. Nice. And I don't know where I get this. Like, So I've been lucky in my career as I've been able to go to different schools. So I did go to some computer forensic schools when I worked for DOD. And it was kind of neat to be able to use that later on in my life. So I always tell people, like, learning, learn, learn, learn. You don't have to learn it for a resume. You can just learn it to have fun. I'm on YouTube, like, every day. I love YouTube. like. I love learning on YouTube. I'm like constantly, you know, checking out new ways to innovate podcasting and and keep focused because <laughs> that's my goal right. this year with the podcast. That's why if you're following me on social media, I'm very focused on the podcast this year. I really just want to get the podcast like to a certain level where it's just like, this is awesome. I mean, it's awesome. I love it. I love podcasting. So let me ask you this. If you want to tweak your game. Who would be your ideal guest if in 2022 you could land anybody? Who would it be currently? Or is there anybody from the past, even historical, you know, dead presidents that that you'd want to bring on the pod? Who who would be the ideal guest? Well, obviously, George Washington, because he's like, sure. man. But, you know, it's like that's the other thing about guests is like my guest list is so diverse because I don't chase clout. I do not chase clout. There are some people if I see they did something that's really cool. Like, huh, I want to talk to them about that. And I don't want to, I don't do typical interviews. I don't do the Q and A's. Like I interview kind of like you do. It's more of a conversation. 
it, but it's not like I don't come in there with a set set of questions. I'm not doing an interrogation. You know, I'm not going to butter you up. The next thing you know, you're going to be spilling state secrets. <laughs> it's, it's so, so my George Washington, but I'd like to, I want to talk to people who have something that I'm going to learn something from, but then my audience is, so I don't have any, you know, 2022 is going to be a very diverse guest list as usual. Um, obviously I'm still going to have, I have some really great authors coming up, but I also want to talk to really good people and just talk about anything. You know, I want to, I want to talk about how you get a PhD, how you guys started, how, how you work for the NIH and everything else. I mean, there's a lot of different things to talk about that aren't influencers or people that have massive followings. I've learned if you have a big guest, um, a lot of times if they're not sharing your message, sharing your show and stuff and treating it just like another interview, it's not really, I'm not going to reach out to try to get that guest if they don't have anything of value, if that makes sense. Right. Makes, yeah, makes complete sense. I like having Jack on because last time Jack was on, I don't know, maybe it was a time before that. I wanted to talk to him about tracking because I love tracking. I miss tracking. And then when he comes on, I want to talk about different things because a lot of people tell the same stories over and over again. We had Brad Taylor on and I did a, the crossover episode with him and I wanted to talk to him about something different about his selection into the unit. And, but then I also wanted to talk to him about a lot of other little different things. So I don't, I mean, everybody could say like, well, how did you build a character? And they're so used to it. They're, they're so used to those questions. Right. You know, I've looked at some of the media tours cause they've all been virtual now, you know, the last couple of years. And we've noticed the same thing of some of these book tours, the authors are, are repeating lines or, you know, yeah. bring in their same story. They told the three other people on that virtual tour. So you saw one, you saw them all. And when we have uh, authors on, we kind of want to find a different angle, ask them different questions or, yeah. or really tease out their motivations on what makes that book unique instead of them just talking about, oh, our series is great. Oh, my character always does this. Oh, I like doing this with the character. No, like specifically, why did you bring up Ukraine in this one? Or yep. specifically, why did you do a virus in this one? I mean, don't you think people are sick of, you know, pandemic literature and just yes. something a bit deeper to tease out some unique answers? Yeah, some of our better conversations have been, quote unquote, spoiler, uh, you know, talk where because half the time they go on and they don't want to spill the, you know, the anticipation for the book or the, the big reveal. But when we can actually, cause that that's, I feel like that's what people crave, right? They, they just read it or they're going to read mm -hmm. it and then they want to have something to go to, to, to hear directly from the source or other people, their ideas and thoughts. So that's, that's been our favorite part of the part of this whole journey. Yeah. And how many movie podcasts are out there where you finish a movie you can just go search a podcast on it. Hear some friends talking about it. You know, just people sitting around having beer, mm -hmm. reflecting on that movie. But not a lot of people do that for thrillers. The podcast with the authors are all hype and selling the book yeah. and teasing you. But they're not about digging into the plot and the character development. And that's something we like to do, you know, just as fans chit-chatting about the books. Yeah, no, I've been looking at your, your podcast and it's really, that's the way it should be. It should be like... Like a book club, different. Like, like a book, like an actual book club. And it should be fun. Well, speaking of your book club, uh, do you have a list of thrillers you're gonna you're gonna kick it off with, or is it still in the the early stages? 
Well, so we, I, when I first started, I was doing that. I would have one nonfiction and one thriller a month. But now I'm kind of just taking a pause. And then once I get Eric to help me out, Eric Bishop's going to be helping with the podcast uh, book club. And then I want it to be like that. I want it to be like, okay, here's a thriller. And I want to start from the beginning too. So I, like, you know, Mitch Rapp or anything else, Jack Carr books, anything. I want to start from the beginning. It can't be like, let's talk to the new one. I mean, you can still get arcs for the new books. That's fine. But start from the beginning. And then we'll talk about it. But I, I still want the concept of being a thriller and a nonfiction book. Because I love nonfiction. The reason I got into a lot of the things I did in the terrorism world is because I would scour my libraries for anything to do with counterterrorism books when I was a kid. So it's always been in the back of my mind. Nice. Well, with your book club, with all your other platforms, how can the people find you? How can they follow all things Jason Piccolo? And uh, where can they find you online? Well, the good thing is uh, my name's not like John Smith, so it's pretty easy to find me if you just Google it. <laughs> I have a website, jasonpiccolo.us. I have the protectors.us. Um, Instagram is my favorite platform, so that's at Dr. Jason Piccolo. I'm on YouTube as the Protectors Podcast. I'm on, and please, please, please subscribe and review <laughs> the Protectors Podcast. Because I don't know about you guys, but it's like tough it to get anybody. Uh, you right. know, as soon as we get off of here, I'm going to review your podcast. Oh, Just because you. I'm like, I'm like, because I forget half the time anyway, but I'm doing it. I'm going to go on there and review it. But yeah, you can find me anywhere. And if anybody ever has any questions or anything, I, my DMs are always open. Cool. Love to hear it. Yeah. You got two people over here who are going to give you five stars. So you got to find a buddy. You and one other oh, person. Yeah. Give us five oh, stars. We'll call uh, it that equal. won't be a problem at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and hope the people check you out. And we love what you're doing with the protectors. And uh, we hope everybody out there listening, you find a way to be a protector for your family and yourself and uh, listen to some of the stories these great people Jason's had uh, on the pod. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for coming on. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed that interview. And if you could, please go check them out, follow them, you know, give them a rating just like you would us. Uh, we think you would really enjoy uh, his content as well. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks to Jason for coming on our pod. Right. We had a great time. He even invited us onto his podcast. So we'll keep you updated if we work that out. Should be maybe February or March time frame. I don't know if I'm a protector, Chris, but uh, I could definitely talk about the protectors in the Mitch Rat book. There's a whole whole slew of them, if you didn't know. You're a protector of minds. That's what you are. You're a protector of minds. Oh, yeah. You know. And you teach like a non, uh, a pretty non, would you say geography is controversial? Like, <laughs> uh, well. I guess it could be. I guess it could be. <laughs> Dude, there's a great author, Tim Marshall. I just read his book about borders and walls. I think when the walls went up or something, or basically how borders define our world. And he comes from a geography academic perspective, and the dude is brilliant. Like some of his analyses of geopolitical stuff is awesome. So yeah, man, like countries, naming countries, drawing borders, Google Maps could be highly, highly volatile. They even have right. different shades of lines to demarcate, you know, contested controversial areas. borders, contested yeah. areas, exactly. Like Crimea and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Which, which we don't even want to get to because, dude, 
the Russians are putting troops on the Belarusian border as we speak. It's like one step closer to Latvia from what Red War. They're pulling out their uh, their people from the embassy and destroying all the stuff in uh, in Kiev. Jeez. So who knows if it's a feint or not? You know, we'll see. We'll have to keep keep people posted on this. Right. I mean, Kyle Damas over here. Kyle Nostradamus. You know, if it's not predicting a blackout or a global pandemic or, you know, some political strife, it's a war. <laughs> he needs to stop writing because the Just next stop. thing he writes, yeah. it's going to come true. <laughs> Honestly, the way he's I'm gonna going hit him with up. the quotes. I'm going to hit him up and, and say, you are now four for four on your on plots coming true from your books. You know what? Oh, the way he's going with the cooks and the fall of American democracy, it's just like, stop right now. Let's have Kyle just like totally change course and write. He can learn from me. Write some poetry. Just write about flowers and fields and butterflies <laughs> and just just write an epic poem about peace on earth. Leave it at that. Retire as a writer. And, you know, a couple of years from now, you know, it'd be no more war. Kyle would have predicted it. We'll see. Kyle can write it into reality. Yeah, he, he pretty much can. All right, well, we have to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. Find us at MitchRapPod.com or on Twitter and Insta at MitchRapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.